Okay, so at this time, we're going to have our second message for today, brought to us by Pastor Steve Andrews, entitled Daniel's Prayer. Here we are. I think we're there now. As uh, all the songs and everything was uh, mentioning, I hope everyone had an enjoyable Thanksgiving. <clears throat> I know that we did. Uh, we always try to get as many people in our family as we can together for Thanksgiving. And uh, it was very wonderful that we were uh, blessed with quite a few. We, we thought at first we were going to take over James and, and Amber's house, and then she said, whoa, wait a minute, that's still too many, so we came out here. So. <laughs> and i uh, very thankful. And I know that um, you know, if someone uh, in the congregation needs a larger place to meet uh, for, say, like Thanksgiving occasionally, well, then I, that, that's available. So uh, nobody had asked me. <laughs> so we put our family back there. It was uh, interesting. I don't know how many of you have been following the story about the individual who took his life in his own hands to cross the border from North Korea to South Korea. So more is coming out about him. It's been pretty interesting. He's 24 years old. He'd been in the military for a very long time in North Korea. But he risked his life, and uh, they, some of the information that's coming out, he had several bullets that they removed, but he literally had his heart, uh, his lung punctured. Um, he had uh, some of his intestines uh, blasted open with a bullet wound. Uh, many different things that he is suffering right now because of his desire to be free. One of the things that was very interesting that came out was that he was uh, full of parasites and very, uh, what is it, malnourished. So what is going on in North Korea is a very devastating thing. When I was, and what, what brought me to thinking about this, which was interesting, is that I was in the store, as I do the, usually do the Thanksgiving shopping, and a week before, I had been in our the Cleveland Walmart, and they had the turkeys just piled high. You know, they had a big freezer, and they were just piled high. They were over the top. And, of course, I didn't get them that week, so I was, I was hoping there was still something left <laughs> for the next week. And I went in there, and there were still quite a few. So we, we got a, a few turkeys. And all of a sudden, it, it hit me. The nation that we live in is so full of bounty. You talk about Thanksgiving. We are so bountiful in this nation. We have so much food. But we're also blessed because we've understood cleanliness. Can you understand clean water? clean food. Some of the nations that we have that are in the world today don't understand these very basic things. <laughs> we were out of the, the uh, hot water heater went out. We were taking cold showers. <laughs> Just that very little thing. Taking a warm shower is such a blessing. <laughs> And it's all because of this beautiful nation that we live in. How about summers and winters? Why, many, many years ago, you would have had to go out and cut down a tree. And, and still, some people do. David up in, in Washington, he, he heats his house with wood. But he doesn't have to. He didn't want to. He could actually use his central heat and air that he has on his house. But he does enjoy the, that. But we're so blessed. We are so blessed with all of the bounty in this country that we live in. And it's, it's um, 
it's so wonderful to know that um, this bounty is also a blessing, I think, from God. And there have been many presidents who have come along and they've proclaimed Thanksgiving as a time to, to worship, to pray, to thank God for the blessings that we have. I'm thankful for that. The, the most eloquent one was our first president, George Washington. But they've come down. There have been ones that have done it down through the, down through the years. And they've all recognized how important it is to be thankful for the blessings that are in this nation. We really don't, would not understand how great a blessing it is unless we went into captivity, would we? And that's the reason why I've, I've, I've chosen Daniel's prayer today. It's Daniel's prayer for the nation. And I'm, I'm hoping that we'll be able to inculcate it in our own prayers for our own nation. And think about what it means to live in this blessed nation that we live in. And Daniel's desire and his heart was for his, his people. And we'll see, he wanted all. And we'll, we'll, we'll put some scriptures together and some thoughts as we go through this. But I think all of us should be very thankful for the times that we live in, the blessings that we have, and all of the goodness that we, we are given. So let's turn to Daniel. I, I mean, and I've got my iPad today, and I hope you'll bear with me. Sometimes I'm a little bit um, slow, but it's, it is Daniel, the ninth chapter. And it's a very profound and wonderful set of verses the Daniel that are preserved for us from Daniel's perspective. It says, in the first year of Darius, the son of um, Hasserus, of the seed of the Medes, which was, <coughs> which made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. So, we've got to understand that Daniel was a captive. He did not have freedom except to pray and to serve God. And he did serve God in many ways in that, in that captivity. In fact, they were tremendous service in that captivity. And, Ga and Daniel was quite well liked even by the leaders that he was able to come in contact with. In verse 2, in that first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood and the word by books can also mean by letters, and we're going to look into Jeremiah here in just a second. The number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that would accomplish the 70 years in the desolations of, of Jerusalem. So let's look, let's go to Jeremiah the 29th chapter because we, it is important to understand how uh, Daniel understood this. And we'll go to Jeremiah the 29th chapter and we'll read beginning in verse 1. Now, these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem and to the residue of the elders which were carried away captive and to the priests and to the prophets and to all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. So we see how that Daniel had received this letter from Jeremiah. After that, uh, Jeconiah the king and the queen and the eunuchs and the princes of Judah and Jerusalem and the carpenters and the smiths were departed from Jerusalem by the hand of uh, Elisa the son of um, Shaphan and Germiah uh, and the son of Hilkiah whom Zedekiah the king of Judah sent into the Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon saying thus says the Lord of hosts the God of Israel unto all that are carried away captives whom I have caused to carry away from Jerusalem and to Babylon. Build you houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Take you wives and beget sons and daughters. And take wives of your sons and give your daughters to husbands. That they may bear sons and daughters. That they may increase there and not be diminished. Seek the peace of the city. Whether I have caused you to be carried away captive. Pray unto the Lord. For, it, for in that peace thereof shall be. Uh, shall you have peace. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, 
Let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken you to their dreams, which you cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely unto you in my name, and I have not sent them, says the Lord. For thus says the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place. So there was, Daniel understood that there was a prophecy that was going to, to be fulfilled, but it was going to take 70 years. Now, let's go back to Daniel, and let's pick it back up in, in, in verse 3. Uh, so I have to get to Daniel, and 9, and verse 3. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. When I sat down to look at this, I realized how important this prayer was going to be. And in all of our own preparation, if we have a situation in our life that is very serious, and we need to get close to God, this is what we need to do. We don't need sackcloth and ashes, but we do need prayer and fasting before that time. And it's important, isn't it, that we have that. And so, Daniel saw the seriousness, and he prepared for it. He prepared his heart and his mind and his attitude before he came to God. Now, look at the next verse. I think you're going to be interested how interesting it is, how he addresses this most powerful being who could intervene. I prayed unto the Lord, that's Jehovah, Yahweh, however you want to look at it, my Elohim, and made my confession, and said, O Lord, and I want to go back to this, and that's an Adonai, for all of you that realize that he's using all of the attributes of God, realize that he's, he's reaching out for all of the wonderful attributes of God in his name. That's how he's doing it. That's how he's praying to God. He's taking in all of those attributes through the names of God. And of course, in our own worship, we add Jesus Christ. We add the Father. We add all of those also. But remember that it's, the only thing they didn't add was the Lord of hosts because this was a personal prayer for intervention, for mercy, uh, for forgiveness, for all of those things. And so we see that Daniel understood that. He understood how to come before God, how to seek God's um, blessing and ear. And so he did that. So let's continue on here as we look at the different names and the way that he, great and dreadful L. It's interesting. That is an adjective meaning mighty, almighty, God. Um, it's a beautiful way in which Daniel did it. Dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. You see how he puts it, us in that place? Keeping his commandments and those that love him. Let's go to Matthew, the 22nd chapter. Because it's important to understand also how Jesus said that we should have the most deep love for God. We all understand this. We know that. But in the context that we're talking about today, let's look at this and see what Jesus says. Master, which is the great commandment? This is verse 36 of Matthew, the 22nd chapter. He has a question. Master, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, everything is summed up in that. Because the, the love of God is expressed in the commandments of God. It's expressed in the Sabbath, a day of rest. It's expressed in his holy days. A time to understand about God. All of those are expressed in the love that God has shed forth. And the love of of God and for us to love God with all of our heart 
So, let's also turn to John just real quickly, the 15th chapter. Oops, that's the wrong one. Let's try again here. Um, John 15 and verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. You see how all of that's tied together in love? The commandments and keeping the commandments, loving God are all tied together. That's what he wants, us to worship him in that way and to give our life in that way. So let's turn back now. Let's go back to Daniel as he's continuing his prayer. Daniel chapter 9, and we're up now to verse 5. And we have sinned. And the Bible is very specific. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But this is a prayer of national significance. And Daniel says, we've all, as a nation, have sinned. He's praying to God and he says, we, nation, have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly. If you go in there and look at each one of those, they have a little slightly different meaning, but they all sum up to the fact that we are a wicked batch of sinners and have problems. We have all sinned and done wickedly, and have rebelled, even by departing from these precepts and from your judgments. So he's, he's enumerating what the situation is, why we're in this situation, why we're captive. Already the, the nation of uh, the, the, the northern ten tribes are already gone. And these are part of the southern, ten tri uh, southern tribes, uh, the tribe of Judah, and they are in captivity. And so he is, from a captive, captive's perspective, praying to God and witnessing that they've sinned. And definitely come very short of the glory of God. He says, neither, of course, uh, maybe I should go there. Maybe I should go to Hebrews, the, the third chapter. Let's, let's, let's just do that for our own personal benefit. Understanding where we're, where we're at right now. Let's go to Hebrews, the third chapter. Because this word departing has, is, is, is extremely significant in there. And when we understand that, we cannot depart from what we understand is the truth. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Hebrews 3, verse 12. When Daniel was praying, he understood that they had departed from the precepts and the judgments and the truth of the Word of God. He had understood that they had sinned greatly against God, and that's the reason why they were in the situation they were in. Well, when God calls us out of this world and we understand the truth of the Word, we're committed, aren't we? We're committed to Christ. We're committed to this way. And there are warnings in the Bible about departing from it. And that warning is, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you a heart, an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. He says, But exhort one another daily, and while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And it's out there. It's it's wanting to take us away from this way. It's wanting to put us back into the world. It's wanting, through all of the glamour and glory and all of that, to put us back into this world, to, to erase all of the things that we understand and the truth that we are a part of. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. We have to do this until we, Christ returns or we are uh, put in the ground and waiting for the for the uh, call from Christ. Well, it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. 
For some, when they had heard, did provoke, albeit not all, but that came out of Egypt by Moses. And so, constantly, the Bible has reminded us historically. It goes back to the history. And we need to be reminded of our own history and our own society. And look at it and realize where God has intervened, all the bounty that we have, and be thankful for what we live in today. Because we are truly blessed in the rest of the world. But we are also blessed because God has called us out of the world. And given us this hope. And given us this truth. For some, when they have heard, did provoke, albeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom he was grieved forty years. And it was not with them that sinned, those carcasses fell in the wilderness. And to whom swore he that they should not enter into his rest but to them that believe not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Getting to a point where you do not believe what God has taught you is a very serious thing. Well, let's go back to Daniel now. Let's look at, see what Daniel, the next verse, has to say. Daniel, the ninth chapter, beginning in verse 6. Neither have we hearkened unto the, your servants, the prophets, which spoke in your name, to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. Now, recently I started studying a little bit about Ahab and Jezebel and uh, how Elijah, of course we've, we've talked about that in church too, how he brought all of the uh, uh, various prophets of Baal, and they all were destroyed. But there's something very interesting about that particular situation because Jezebel was a priestess of the Phoenicians and of the king who was a priest of the Baal, or Baal, however you want to pronounce his name. And Ahab, and, and for all of us to realize, God did not abandon Israel. He did not abandon the northern tribes. He sent prophets to try to get them to change, to give them warning. He sent prophets, and they ignored the prophecies. They ignored the powerful message of Eliza brought, which was no rain. No rain. <laughs> so, Ahab marries this priestess of Baal, and it was like a co-rulership, and she had a lot of power. And in fact, she had Naboth, who had a vineyard, killed so that she could have Ahab have that vineyard. And it's a long story and I don't want to get into it, but realize that many warnings come. There's many prophets and even today, you look out there and there, there are those who understand this way and they're prophesying. They're trying to get America to understand what's going on, where they're at, what's, what might be happening in this, this country and to change. Do we have idolatry? Do we have wickedness? Do we have sins in this nation? Oh yes. Oh yeah. We are, we are a nation full of them. And it's uh, very, been very interesting to see how many, um, how many men are coming out of the woodwork as predators, pedophiles, um, all kinds of things that have, that's been done in Hollywood and different places in this society. Very interesting. O oh Lord, righteousness belongs unto you. I this is this is the one verse uh, this this nine verse seven. I was going to make a, a message out of it because I thought it was so very 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 profound. O oh Lord, righteousness belongs unto you. But unto us, confusion of faces. As at this day, to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to all Israel that are near and that are far off, though all the countries, whether you have driven them because of their trespass, that they have trespassed against you. This is a permanent prayer for all time. And that one right there shows it. All the way down through the ages, 
this is to be read to warn Christians who, and Israelites and Jews and anyone that this is God's message and they need to understand it and they need to understand what can happen if they don't it's what what's what's pretty interesting I, I'm going to go to this um, comparative Bible that I've got in here and there's several different ones and I I, I'm not, uh, there's a few of them that have almost exactly the same wording, but there's others that, that bring it out just a little differently. This is uh, Young's literal translation. And we have not hearkened unto your servants, the prophets, who have spoken your name unto God's, our, our heads and our fathers, and unto all the people of the land. Um, the ISV. Furthermore, we haven't listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and to our officials and to our ancestors. I think I've got the wrong one. Let's see, wait a minute. Did I pick the right verse? Yeah. Oh, it's the next one down. Sorry about that. Uh, this one um, will be the next one. I'll go back to here. One more. And, yeah, there we are. Let's start again. To thee, O Lord, Young's little translation, is the righteousness and to us the shame of face, as at this day, and to men of Judah, and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel who are near and who are far off, in all the lands where you have driven them. And this is the ISV. To you, Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us, open humiliation. Open humiliation. I wish that were true in the society that we live in today. We're, we're not humiliated anymore by anything. I mean, you just look at what's going on in the world and the, in the Internet and different things, and we're not, I mean, it's getting so bad. Even to this day, to the men of Judah and to the residents of Jerusalem, to all Israel, both those who are nearby and those who are far off away, the lands to which you have drove them because of their unfaithful acts that they have commanded, uh, committed against you. And one more, CSV. Everything you do is right our Lord. But still we suffer public disgrace because you have been because we have been unfaithful and have sinned against you. This includes all of us both far and near. The people of Judah, Jerusalem, and Israel as well as those who dragged away to foreign lands. Isn't it interesting? This prayer is so profound and it's its implications. Okay. Verse 8. O Lord, to us belongs confusion of face, and to our kings, and to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. Whenever you look at the various things in the Bible, then you, you realize that leadership of a nation actually makes a very big difference. When a good king would come along in Judah, they would prosper. They would have um, blessings from God, mercy from God. But in the northern tribes, since they set up, already set up the two calves, and they lived in idolatry almost from the beginning, and they really rejected God all the way through. And everyone that came along, every leader that came along, rejected God. So we see here, there is a, a desire from Daniel, understanding that, oh Lord, to us belongs this humiliation, this confusion of faiths, both to our kings and our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. He lays it out very succinctly, it, even to the leadership, to the leadership of Israel and the combined Israel, Judah and Israel. Verse 10. Let's look at verse 10. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws which he set before us by his servants the prophets. Let's go to Exodus the 19th chapter. Because this is, this is a very important part 
Exodus 19, beginning in verse 5. Just two verses here. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice, indeed, and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all the people, for all the earth is mine. You shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak unto the children of Israel. God's hope was that they would be an example for all the world, that as they became a nation, that they would, would reach out to all the world and show them the mercy and the benefits of following God. Well, they didn't do that. God chased them out of the promised land. One day we will be there, and we will be that example. Let's, um, one more. I want to go to Jeremiah, the, the seventh chapter. Jeremiah 7, and um, beginning in verse 23. But this thing commanded I them, saying, Obey my voice, and I'll be your God, and you shall be my people. And walk you in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well unto you. But they hearkened not, nor inclined their ear, but walked in the counsels and the imagination of their evil heart, and went backward and not forward. And we know what happened to Israel because of that, and Judah, historically. Now, let's go to, to Daniel the ninth chapter. We'll read a few verses here. Beginning in verse 11. Yea, all Israel have transgressed your law, even departing, that they might not obey your voice. Therefore the curse is poured upon us, and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. When we come before God and we decide that we're going to pray for the nation, I hope that you will take Daniel's words and inculcate them into your prayer because they are very profound. And you can, you can inculcate the things that we know in this, in this nation, the things that are lacking, the sins that are there. We can bring them to God and, and, and ask God to help us to understand better, one, and also to beseech him because the sins are getting so great that one of these days when there's, it, he may intervene and, and this is not going to be good for this country because of all of the idolatry, all the sins that are being committed, things are, are and especially the moral area of it. And he has confirmed his words which he spoke against us and against our judges that judged us by bringing upon us great evil, for under the whole heaven has not been done as has been done upon Jerusalem. I think about the judges of the United States, which they're supposed to make judgments, but seem to be making legislative decisions. And some of the couple of the legislative decisions that have been made through the judges are, have terrible effects. One, for the unborn. Millions have been killed since they've made that decision. Two, for marriage. It's, it's going to be bad. It's going to continue to be bad for us, for those that believe in one man and one woman, which God created. And I was thinking as I was putting this together, where can mankind find answers to moral questions? And they've rejected it, haven't they? The Bible. Larry's pointing to it. Absolutely. It's the Bible. It's where it's at. And they've rejected it. And they're beginning to reject it in schools, universities, and everywhere that people are taught. One of the interesting, I don't know if you've seen it because it gets repeated several times, but it almost makes me throw up. But they've got... I don't even know if I should bring it out. They've got this drag queen who has these horns, and she's reading he, who's supposed to be a she, who looks like the devil, is reading stories to toddlers, young children, young children 
who are very, very easily influenced. It's, you get them in the early ages, and you pervert them. And it seems, oh, it's normal. Oh, this is normal. We have a great battle going on right now in this nation. And we should never have this battle. What is a girl or a boy? God says there's only two. From the beginning, I made them male and female. After my own image, I made them male and female. And we can't figure that out. <laughs> I don't have any problem figuring it out. I take the diaper off of a girl. It looks like a girl. Take the diaper off of a boy. It looks like a boy to me. It's the parents' problem in bringing up their children and helping them understand that there's a blessing that God has given us and called us out, given us that. We learn to live with the gender that we are. Verse 13. As it's written in the law of Moses, all of this evil has come upon us, yet made we not our prayer before the Lord our God that we might turn our iniquities and understand the truth. Understand thy truth, the word of God. You see, that's what we're rejecting. The law of God, the truth of the word of God, all of the Bible, it's, it's being maligned and ridiculed in every place, and more and more atheists are beginning to to have more and more power. And so when we reject the law of God, we will receive the penalty that will be due us. Therefore the Lord watched upon the evil and brought it upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous. The Yahweh, our Elohim, is righteous in all his works, which he does. For we obeyed not his voice. We ignored him. We ignored God. We put him out. We don't want to have anything to do with him. We don't like God telling us what to do. Because God created us and knows what we are. And he can tell us what to do. And now, O Lord our God, that has brought your people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have gotten out of the uh, has gotten you renowned as at that day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. You see, over and over, he relates the problems that, that this nation has had. And we should do the same when we go before God. We should help. We should pray for this nation. We should ask God to reach out and, and take care of it. And hopefully they will come to repentance. See, I wanted to go through 13, and I went past that. Verse 14, I had... All right. Let's read. Let's, let's, let's finish up this. Now, O Lord, our God, that has brought your people forth out of... This is verse 15. Out of the land of Egypt with mighty hand and has gotten you renowned out of this day. We have sinned and have done wickedly. O Lord, according to your, according to all your righteousness, I beseech you, let your anger and your fury be turned away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain, because for our sins and for our iniquities and of our fathers, Jerusalem, and your people are become a reproach to all that are about us. Now, therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplications and cause your face to shine upon your sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. Oh my God, decline, incline your ear and hear upon thine eyes and behold our desolations and the city which is called by your name for we do not present our supplications before you for our righteousness and for but for for your great mercies. So he's bringing these supplications to be asking God to be merciful. And of course God was, and he brought them back into Jerusalem. 
But as we know the end is coming near in this world, we'll have to be praying this more often, that God will be merciful in this nation and preserve those who are keeping this way. Because there's going to come great tribulation on this, this society. O Lord, hear, O Lord, forgive, O Lord, hearken and do, defer not for thine own sake. O my God, for thy city and thy people are called by thy name. We're called the church of God. We are the sons of the living God. It's not yet that we're in that kingdom, but we are. And God has called us to, to that purpose. And of course, <laughs> while he was praying that, Gabriel came down and he said, while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, yea, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in a vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And then he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give you skill and understanding at the beginning of your supplications, at the beginning when he started, when he prepared, when he started his preparation, at the beginning of his supplications is what it said, when he began to fast, when he began to pray, when he began to, to start that process, that's when, they, that's when they, he was called. At the beginning of your supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. We don't know, brethren. Someday one of us is going to pray and we're going to be scared to death, but he's going to show up. You're greatly beloved. Your prayer's been heard. You are going to be answered. My knees are shaking. My hands are, are weak. But I would love it. Especially this angel, <laughs> Gabriel. Nothing like him. Nothing like him. Our part. I've, I've read what Daniel did. Our part. Interestingly enough, there's, there's a wonderful chapter that really expresses our part and shows us where we fit in God's scheme and God's plan, his way of, of looking at things. And it's found, interestingly enough, in the book of Hebrews. And it's one that we read quite a bit, but I think it's very, it's, it's one that I think fits very well with Daniel's prayer for us. Because I want to encourage, I, I know that we live in a society and the morals of the society are, are, are decaying. We have a lot of problems in the society. But I want us to be encouraged today that there, there is hope and that there is a, a great God that is watching over us and Jesus Christ who is our high priest. He's, they're there. And we can go through them at any time. He says in verse 1 of, of, ch of chapter 12 of Hebrews, this is such a beautiful chapter. It's, it's so full of so much interesting things. It's almost like the author was looking at heavenly stuff. Seeing we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now you go back and you look at all the witnesses that have gone before us in the Bible. And how they lived their life and how they prayed and how they came before God. And we, we can be encouraged. But also... Down through the ages, men have sacrificed their life to believe in this way. They've come to believe the truth and they have sacrificed their life. Even to have the Bible published, they've lost their life to have the Bible published so that others can read it and understand the truth and be encouraged. He says, we should lay aside every weight and the sin which so, do, so easily does beset us, and let us run with the patience the race that is set before us. Some of us have been running in that race for quite a long time. But it's still a tremendous goal that we have. And we look forward to that day when we can be a part of it. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, 
set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we have, a, we have all of this that we can go to. And we can pray because Christ is there and he's, he's with the Father. So consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. You have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin, and you have forgotten exhortation which speaks unto you as unto children. My son, despise not you the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you are rebuked of him. Sometimes things come upon us, and we are really um, put under a great deal of stress. When we go back and we would read something like this, and we would be encouraged. Wouldn't it help us? Go back to, to Hebrews, the 12th chapter, and read it. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and scourges every son whom he, he uh, receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chastens not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you bastards and not sins. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Oh boy, I did my dad. I don't know about you. Uh, I may have been not quite as uh, um, on some of the kids, but I, I did respect my father. And, and he was, um, even though we didn't agree. Furthermore, we had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us and gave us and gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father's spirits and live? For they verily for the few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. So sometimes when things come on us, remember, God is always there, and he will bring you through it. There's a promise in there that he's not going to put on you a burden that you cannot, you cannot bear. Now, no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. He says, wherefore, lift up your, your hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. I am holy, you be holy. That's the reason why we do what we do. That's the reason why we keep the Sabbath. That's the reason why we keep the holy days. I am holy, so you be holy. These are holy things to God. Why he has holy things that are food? I have no idea. But he says, this things you shall not eat. And then he, at the end of it, he says, I am holy, so you be holy. And he connects it to that. Interesting point, isn't it? He says, Looking diligently, esteem any fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up and trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. The greatest problem we have in, in, sometimes in the church is Roots of bitterness that grow and become so great that it, it drives people right out of, the, out of the church, becoming bitter between one another. Lest there be any fornicator, profane person, as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no peace or place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. For you are not come unto the mount that might be touched, uh, that, that might be touched and that burn with fire, for in, in unto blackness and the darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of the words which the voice they heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them any more, for they could not endure that uh, which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was that sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. He said, but you are come into the Mount Zion. Beautiful place, brethren. Wonderful place. 
and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. And some of the, the, the scenarios in Ezekiel, you read that, wow, what a marvelous thing. Um, and then, of course, we, we look in the book of Revelation and in the book of Daniel and all of these angelic beings and the power that's there. And yet, Jesus controls them all. God has control over them. And they are our servants. We don't know it, but they are. You're coming to Mount Zion in the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly in the church of the firstborn, which is written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and the spirits of just men made perfect. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of the sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. See that you refuse not him that speaks, for if they escape not who refused him that spoke on the earth, much, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaks from heaven. We have had the word all the way. We've got the whole word of God. We've got it all. We know the plan. We know what God's going to do. We know what he's going to set up. So we are not to give up. We want to be a part of that. We have witnesses and we want to be a part and live our life so that we're witnesses to our children and those that will come along. Whose voice then spoke the earth, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shall shake not the earth only, but also the heaven. And this word, yet yeah, once more, signifies the removing of those things that are, sh that are shaken as the things that are made that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom, because we will receive a kingdom, which cannot be moved. Brethren, understand that. We're going to receive a kingdom that will never be taken away. It will be a permanent kingdom. It will be a loving, merciful, outgoing kingdom. A powerful kingdom that can't be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For God is a consuming fire. I hope that we will remember the blessings that God has given us in this nation and be thankful for it and to pray for this nation and to pray for one another and to hope for the kingdom of God to come to this earth before all things are destroyed. And we know that that won't happen because we know that Christ will return before the end, before all flesh is destroyed from off this earth.